there, Dreamfinder here. <clears throat> Sorry, Ron Schneider here, and you're listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 44 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. I am beyond excited to bring you this episode. On the very last day of this year's D23 Expo, literally as we were leaving the show floor and walking out of the convention center after the whole expo was over, my wife and I saw Bill Farmer and his wife also walking toward the doors. We approached him so I could tell Bill that I appreciate his work as the voice of Goofy, my favorite of Disney's Fab Five, and ask if I could get a picture with him. Well, we talked for a couple of minutes, and as we did, I mentioned this podcast and told him that I'd love to be able to interview him for it sometime. It took a bit of doing to schedule it, but we got it coordinated, and I am privileged to bring you that conversation today. Now, in case you're not familiar with Bill Farmer, he does much more than just the voice of Goofy. He began his career in stand-up comedy, and his voice acting resume includes thousands of leading and supporting roles in film, television, advertising, consumer products, and more, working with such leading studios as Pixar, Warner Brothers, Universal, and MGM, to name just a few. Not content to just do the work and keep his experience to himself, Bill helps others reach their performance potential, teaching voice acting students, producing voice actor demos, and offering private coaching through his own production company, Toonhouse Inc. Now, unlike many of my interviews, this is a single-part interview, so you're going to get the whole thing right here in this episode. I'd love to have Bill back on, though, so if I get enough response to this show, we'll see what we can do. In this episode, Bill talks about how he got started working for Disney, what else he does or has done for Disney, there's a lot of it, a couple of the strangest jobs he's done, the only attraction he's both written the script for and performed, his preference between voice doubling versus creating a new character, whether Goofy ever sneaks out when Bill's not working, whether his dream was to work for Disney as he was growing up, how he came to the realization how big what he's doing is, what he loves most about what he does, a couple of favorite stories in interacting with guests, what he would do if he could have any job working for Disney, along with being goofy. He wants to keep that one. What he never gets asked that he wishes people would ask him, his advice for what not to do if you want to get into voice acting, and a bit of advice for what to do. What inspires him, and his advice to you for following your dreams. There are some other fun things in there too, but this gives you the idea. We packed a lot into a short time. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and begin this story. My name is Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're, we're huge, huge Disneyland, Disneyland fans. fans. In fact, we love the Disneyland Resort so much, we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on Earth to share that passion with others. That's right. On our show, Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland podcast, we share current resort news, 
some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your Disneyland Resort vacation the most magical experience ever. We uncover little known and often overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And if that wasn't enough, we even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast at www.talescast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make, make it, it a, a Mickey, Mickey Day. day. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. I'm always excited to talk to the guests I have here on the show, but I think it's safe to say that there are some I look forward to a little more than most, and today is definitely one of them. Bill Farmer is a comedian, voice actor, and impressionist, and the first voice actor to receive the prestigious Frizz Freeling Lifetime Achievement Award for Excellence in Animation. He owns and operates Toon House, Inc., where he produces voiceover demos and teaches aspiring voiceover artists. Listeners to this show may recognize him even more as a Disney legend and, of course, the official voice of my favorite member of the Fab Five, Goofy, for more than 25 years, as well as several other characters. So, Bill, welcome to Stories of the Magic. Wow, that what what an intro. That's <laughs> That's the best intro I've ever had. That's wonderful. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> so I want to start with the question sure. mm -hmm. that everybody asks, but I'm sure there's some people listening to the show that have maybe never heard an interview with you. So uh -huh. we'll just get this one out of the way up front. How did you get started working for Disney? Well, uh, it's kind of the uh, truncated version. It took me about uh, 30 some years to get out here and get the job. But in that first 30 some years, uh, I grew up in a south, uh, little town in south central Kansas, Pratt, Kansas, about 7,000 wheat country out there. And uh, I was always one of those kids that just loved animation. And uh, on Saturday mornings, I'd always watch all the cartoons and, and then I'd walk around the house to my mom and, hey, Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. And my uh, mom would like, our bell is weird, you know. And <laughs> so I was just one of those fun kids that I just love movies all the time at the local theater. I'd spend Saturday afternoons, double features, the whole thing. And I always wanted to be in movies or television or cartoons. All of it was just, uh, you know, but it was a million miles away from where I was. I went to the University of Kansas, got a degree in broadcast journalism, kicked around for a number of years in little uh, town radio. And during that time, I found I had a propensity for doing impressions of different voices. Uh, and I got better as I got older. And my friends would always put me up to doing jokes with the uh, voices. And, uh, you know, we'd call up uh, friends and try and fake them out. Or I'd impersonate teachers. Or we'd drive through the Burger King and I'd, you know, uh, they'd say, order in a weird voice, and I'd, I'd like a Whopper with cheese, and Arnold the pig would like a Coke, you know, and they'd laugh and everything. And um, But it never really occurred to me to try my hand at Hollywood until uh, much later, in 1982, I was living in Dallas, and there was a comedy club in Dallas called the Comedy Corner. They had an open mic night, and I went down there, and I saw some of the comics who were trying you know, out there stuff. And I said, well, I could probably do that. And gosh, I've always wanted to try. And if I don't try, I'm going to kick myself when I get old. 
So I gave it a shot, got a pretty good response. The lead comic or the host comic of the club who was on every night there opening all the acts was a guy named Bill Ingvall, who this week is on Dancing with the Stars. So I'm last night on Dancing with the Stars. So and Bill was honing his craft at the same time. And he said, hey, you ought to try and do this. And so I did. After a few months, I started going to other little clubs in Texas. And within four or five years, I was starting to headline at clubs. And an agent in Dallas said, why don't you go out of Hollywood, see what you can do out there? I came out here, got an apartment. And as luck would have it, about four months after I got here, my agent said, do you do any of the Disney characters? And uh, at the time, there were four or five Mickeys, four or five Goofies. Um, as the company was getting much bigger and you had more of a presence on television, you would see something from the parks. You would hear something from an, a record album. You would hear something from an old movie. And the different voices sounded different. They wanted uh, Roy Disney and Michael Eisner wanted consistency. So they had a big audition to find the voices for these characters. And I thought, well, I can kind of do a Mickey, you know, and uh, gosh, oh boy, you know, that was my Mickey. That was about the extent of it. And Donald, I couldn't do. I can go, that's about as much Donald as I can do, but gorge, goofy, kind of, kind of fit me like a glove. And I laid down some lines, uh, impersonating Pinto Kolvig, who originated the voice. And about a you know, month later, they called me in to do one show back in January of 87. They liked it, and they kept calling me and calling me, and they're still calling me after 27 years. So that's kind of the, the, the long and short of it. <laughs> that's fantastic. That is a great journey, really. It really is an odd way to get a job, yeah. <laughs> I suppose so. And, you know, just – I've heard you tell the story a couple of times, but it suddenly dawned on me that when you mentioned the size of your hometown, uh-huh. that on a busy day at Disneyland, there are about seven times more guests yes. in the park than there were in your hometown. Yes. The great thing about growing up in a small town, you know everybody in town. And that can also be a bad thing, like, you know, that farmer kid's doing strange things. And everyone around town, there he is, he's a weird kid, you know, but you know everybody. And so I still have a lot of great friends from high school that I still contact regularly. So that's a good part of it. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Uh, So I know every time you do interviews, you get to talk about being goofy Uh a lot. And I'm actually going to link to some of the interviews that I listened to in preparation for this for people to hear so that we have time to maybe cover some new ground. Right. You know, and then if I get to have you back on the show another time, maybe we can dive into Goofy. Okay. Um, but for now, besides doing that voice, what else do you do or have you done oh, goodness. for Disney? Uh, for Disney, I've done about what's seven or eight major characters, a lot of incidental characters. Um, I'm also Pluto, which I have been doing as long as Goofy. Horace Horsecaller, who really didn't have much of a voice until The Prince and the Pauper. And I got that voice just on the spur of the moment, actually. George Scribner, who directed that, said, you know, I was thinking of you, Bill, for Horace's voice, but we don't have one yet. Uh, What would you think? He's kind of a 
oh, he's kind of stuck up and he's kind of a little aloof and kind of aristocratic. And so I was thinking, I was thinking kind of Jim Backus off of Gilligan's Island, that kind of, uh, you know, Harvard, Yale kind of thing. And uh, but he's a little bit more droll than that. So I kind of was thinking Ben Stein from uh, Ferris Bueller. So we just kind of combined the two and it came out like this. And so that's how Horace got his voice. Uh, wow. Also, when they need uh, on occasion of the classic uh, seven dwarves, I'm sleepy. I'm practical pig of the three little pigs. Um, and oh, my goodness, I've, you know, done uh, with my, uh, you know, Mr. Haney voice. Occasionally I'll be the sheriff of Nottingham and some of the characters that he did uh, like the sheriff of Nottingham. I've done that a few times. And um, incidental voices in a lot of Pixar movies and Disney movies with the ADR group where we add background sounds and voices such as in Toy Story and Toy Story 2 and Bugs Life and Monsters, Inc. and Cars, Monsters University most recently uh, and a lot of non-Disney movies as well. So a lot of weird, weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you get called to either do an audition for or actually do? And you're like, that might be in the top 10 weirdest things I've ever been called for. Um, yeah, I've done a lot of strange things. I think on one ADR movie, The Mask 2, there was a dog in that. Uh, and this dog puts on the mask, uh, if you remember the first movie with Jim Carrey, and he turns mm -hmm. into this creature. Well, he gets his tongue caught on something, and he gets, like, ripped around the room, through the chandeliers, up and through the banister, and, uh, you know, all over. So I had to, for about two and a half hours, just do these painful... <laughs> Right, you know, all over, over and over, till um, my voice was shot at the end of it. I kind of sound like the Godfather. <laughs> Too bad you didn't have that lined up right after. Yes, there was some other game like Evil Dead or Evil Dead Rising or, or some video game where I was like Satan's dog and Satan's cat and Satan. So it was, you know, one of the I am doing, you know, and it, very gravelly, rough voices. Uh, you never know what you're going to get to do. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> Wow. Uh, how about in the theme parks? In the theme parks? Oh, well, uh, yes, we recently did the uh, Seven Dwarves uh, new ride down at the at uh, Magic Kingdom in Florida. There was one, my favorite, and it is the only time I've actually written an attraction and performed it, and that was in Innoventions down at Epcot Center. For a number of years, there was a robot by the name of Electronic. And I did all the voices for him, and I actually wrote the script for that as well. And he had kind of, wow. had a kind of a, yeah, he was kind of a, a stand-up comic. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Hey, what's that big basketball over there? Oh, that's a spaceship Earth, you know. And then I was doing uh, a lot of weird impressions, Rod Serling and Archie and Edith and Awachi, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, so I actually got to write the script as well as perform it. Now, it's probably in the parks, that's my crowning achievement, I would say. Yeah, I would imagine so. It'd be tough to top <laughs> that. <laughs> and the obvious ones, I would imagine you uh, did Goofy for Goofy Sky oh, School absolutely. and the great Goofini, right? Of course, yeah. Wherever there's Goofy, there's me. I'm in the mailboxes in Disneyland and and uh, the, you know Mickey's Movie Barn and all of those great things, which was a lot of fun and a lot of ad lib on that particular one. 
Oh, how fun. And I also heard uh, that you did the voice of the Cowardly Lion in the great movie. Yeah, right? that's that you can, I, I hardly ever hear it because I'm either too close to it or too far away from it or I've just passed it. And I think I said, and it's the truth. <laughs> you know, just just a little line there. But that was a, a big thrill at the time because I love doing things besides uh, Goofy and Pluto, which is the majority of the work with Disney. Sure. Yeah. Um, if you have a choice, do you prefer voice doubling or creating a character voice? Or do you kind of like them both? I do like them both. Uh, it's more of a challenge to copy a voice because you have a template that you have to follow. And it kind of gives you a path on what they're looking for. But it's hard to do it justice and uh, doing impressions is very difficult. Creating a new one is a very exciting, uh, fun thing because then your imagination and the sky's the limit on what you do with that voice. So actually creating a voice is the most fun. Okay. Yeah. I remember hearing an interview with, or it might've been a stage show, James Arnold Taylor talked about doing Obi-Wan Kenobi uh-huh. for the Clone Wars and how he had to start by doing, you know, doubling. Yes. And so he, you know, he was starting from young Obi-Wan from, you know, the, uh-huh. the prequels. And then over the time of the Clone Wars, he said that he had to develop that voice so it moved toward Alec Guinness, but never got that far. And uh-huh. so it was sort of voice doubling, but also creating a new voice at the same time. Yeah, it's very precise, can be very precise, and that in it is a very uh, fun challenge, but it also limits you on what you can do because you have to do a certain performance, whereas if you create a character, you can just let it go and and create, you know, from scratch, and it's a, it's a lot of fun to do that. Is it a challenge uh, to come back to a voice that you've created a ways down the road and remember exactly what you've done, or do you kind of lock that into that character? Um, well, uh, the more familiar ones, Goofy has been around for so long that it's, I think we've melded into one. I could, <laughs> I'd never have to practice it to get back into it. We're in a new series now called the seven D, which is the seven dwarves. It's kind of a prequel to the seven dwarves. There's no snow white in the series and it's based for the little kids. We're in production now. It'll be out next year sometime. And I am Doc in that 7D, but they didn't want to go with the classic dwarves, so I got to create one. And he's kind of a, well, he's a little bit higher, and he's a, a, the kind of the inventor of the group and the eldest, and uh, sometimes a little little absent-minded, um, and it, it kind of falls in this range. But uh, I sometimes I have trouble getting back to it, so I'll have them replay something I did in a previous show to kind of click back into it. And, oh, that's how I did it. Okay, interesting. And then you just said something that sparked a question that I actually meant to write down mm-hmm. earlier and completely forgot about it. But I remember hearing Johnny Depp say one time that he's been Jack Sparrow for so long that sometimes that character will kind of leak out at home yes. and he's doing fixing breakfast or something and suddenly Jack Sparrow is there. Uh, uh-huh. Does that ever happen with you and Goofy? Uh, well, more in the things I do, I always blame Goofy when I drop an egg or (laughs) fall off the front porch or something. You know, I'd probably do that inadvertently, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, there's enough of me in Goofy and Goofy. It's a close enough voice to my own that, yeah, there's probably a lot of uh, a crossover and probably, especially when I'm singing, I find all kind of. Oh, 
the world, you know, I just kind of get into it. And uh, I think I sing more as goofy than speak. Interesting. <laughs> Never really thought about it. That's a great question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so obviously you started right after you got out here, a few months after you got out here working yes. for Disney. That was, uh-huh. I, I think you said that was your first voice job really out here. Right. When you were watching all of those cartoons and movies and everything growing up, did you ever look at that and think, man, I really want to work for Disney? Or did it was it just kind of a happy accident that that was the first one, but you didn't really have a preference growing um, up? Well, I grew up more with the Warner Brothers characters, although Disney always had much more of a family feel to me, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Goofy was my favorite character. So of any character that I could think of, Goofy would have been and is my number one. But yeah, I, it just happened. It was a lucky coincidence that Disney was the first company that I worked for. And so I, I always feel like I started at the top in the animation biz. I came out here and, you know, got one of the all time great characters and my favorite one. And I mean, where do you go from there? You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, I had no idea and was just amazed uh, although it took me quite a while to realize that I was amazed because I didn't know how big it was in the beginning. Really? How did you come to that realization? Was there a moment or did it just kind of creep up on you? Or? I think over time, uh, I knew, but one thing that most people don't know, I'm not a Disney employee. I never have been. I am a day player and all actors are, are like I'm a plumber. Like I, they have a problem, I come in and fix it and go home. And there's a new contract with every job that I do. And in the beginning, it wasn't too often. It was like here a month, and then I might go another month and then do one job. And then it got more and more as the company grew and grew. And it took me about a year to really figure, well, this could be something kind of permanent. And uh, probably about two or three years into it, then the character kind of I felt like it became mine. The first year or so, I was doing an impression of Pinto Colvig. And after that, I started putting little things of me into Goofy and expanding the role a little bit, which encompasses more of me. And I think that's when I took ownership of it and haven't looked back. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I, I, for one, am glad that you're the voice of Goofy. So, I mean, and so is my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so with all of the voice acting work and voiceovers and all of those kinds of things, or you can just focus specifically on the Disney roles if you want, whichever. Uh, what do you love most about what you do? Well, it's just the the fans are great. I mean, it, it's an odd kind of celebrity uh, doing voiceovers because you're in a small booth with a microphone. And that is your world. It's You have to create it in your imagination. You have to imagine the audience out there. Probably the thing that I love most is seeing the reaction of fans and an audience in the rare times that I get to see an audience see one of my performances, either on a Disney on Ice where there's an arena show where Goofy's performing or a movie like a, you know, a Goofy movie or um, anything that is, you know, projected in front of an audience, uh, or like, uh, we, most recently, I guess we did, uh, how to install your home theater, which I got to see in a theater with a crowd. And that's a very special and just a wonderful feeling to see an audience enjoy your work. And I don't get that enough. And it's very special to me when that does happen. 
I can imagine. Yeah, I remember talking to Randy Crenshaw not mm-hmm. too long ago, and he talked about um, how you know you're incredibly well known, but you're not recognized. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know you in some ways almost forget you know who's out there because you are in that little world doing your job day in and day out. Yeah, it's an odd thing. I remember flying into Los Angeles once, and you look out over the city at night, and you see endless lights heading off into the horizon. And I I thought to myself, you know, most everyone down there knows my voice, but very few people know me. And it's an interesting kind of... uh, a weird kind of celebrity. Uh, Goofy's famous, and I'm not, but I get to hang around with him. <laughs> I guess that's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> because you don't want to have to. I'm. I don't have to worry about paparazzi or anything when I go to the, the store to get milk. You know. Whereas I guess if you're, you know, face famous, you gotta get your hair done and all that, so you don't look crummy and wind up on, you know, you know, some tabloid and look how bad farmer looks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, you and I met on the last day of the D23 Expo uh-huh. this year, as we were both heading out of the show floor yes. area. So I was glad that we were kind of able to cross paths there. I am too. Um, well, thank you. Um, but do you have any favorite stories of interacting with guests or fans? There's a couple of them. <laughs> there are some strange fans, and then there are some really great fans. I think one of the stranger ones, and it was actually me just, let me say, I think I was with Donald or Tony and Selma, who's doing Donald, and, and a fan came up to him and said, I would love to do Donald Duck when you die. And Tony's like, well, I hope that isn't too soon. That was a kind of an odd one that sticks in my mind. (laughs) Um, One of the most heartwarming things is occasionally we'll get to talk to kids on, you know, famous phone friends or make a wish foundation, those kind of organizations. And then the character becomes real because you're talking to a, a sick child who, you know, really wants to talk to Mickey and Donald and Goofy. And I remember I was with the Wayne Allwine once and he took a call from a little girl who had leukemia and uh, from the mother we found out that the girl was rejecting her medicine fighting it all the way kind of giving up that kind of thing until Wayne had said you know gosh you know uh, Pluto takes his medicine and when he does he feels a lot better and just from that comment about a few months later he got a uh, Wayne got a, a a letter from the mother and saying that the child went into remission after hearing that, and well, if Mickey takes care of himself, maybe I will too. And that kind of thing just kind of really tells you the magic that these characters have. And you got to kind of keep that in mind. Uh, otherwise, it just becomes like, oh, it's a job doing the voice and everything. No, there's a lot more to it. It's more than the sum of the parts. It's There is a magic with these characters that is unlike any other uh, kind of voice work I've ever done. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's amazing what just hearing the voice of your favorite character or one that's particularly important at that moment in life for some reason, right? what that can do. And more people these days say, oh, you know, a goofy movie is, you know, my favorite. When I was growing up, it's my absolute favorite uh, movie. And, you know, it meant so much with me and my dad and stuff like that. And those kind of stories are so, so neat uh, and uh, important. Uh, it, it, these movies and characters are really important to people, and I'm so glad to be a part of that. Absolutely. So it sounds like you pretty much have the, just one of the best jobs in the world. 
I think so. <laughs> I think so. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have Koofy, you know. I, or here to fix your uh, sink. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't get any work with that voice. <laughs> well, you might get some, but it may not be yeah. the work you want. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, assuming you get to keep Goofy, but mm-hmm. you could also have any job working for the Walt Disney Company that you wanted. Even if it's one that doesn't exist right now, you could create a job if you wanted oh, to, and then it's yours. What would it be? Oh, gosh. Uh, just asking people if they had a good time at the end of the day on the way out of the park and finding out what they did and what would make it better and just making sure everyone has a good time because that's kind of what it's all about. And, you know, if you can do that at the end of the day, I think you've had a good day. You know, that sounds great. And I see the cast members that do that as I leave mm-hmm. the park. And so many people just walk right by them. It's like, don't make eye contact. They're going to talk to me. But the ones that you that do get to talk to people and uh-huh. when they engage, I'm sure they get to hear some really great stories. Oh, yeah. yeah, I bet they do. And I'd love to be in on that. Yeah. And you could do funny voices while you were doing it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you never get asked that you wish people would ask you? Gosh, that that's a toughie. Um, what do I wish that people would ask me? Can I give you money? I get no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never get asked that. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> that's a toughie. Oh gosh, I've been asked so many things. What would I, you know, never get asked about? Well, I like people to ask me about my son. I'm very proud of him. He's a, a great, uh, now a professional drummer and an audio engineer, and uh, he's coming along great. And I always wanted to be a musician when I was a kid. You know, who didn't want to be one of the Beatles or whatever? And uh, he's following his dreams, and it's very tough. Uh, music industry, like acting, is is very tough to get into. And he's succeeding uh, at a very good pace now, and he's very talented. Uh, so I was, I guess, ask me about my kid. You know, <laughs> what's his name? Austin. Austin, and he works with you at Toonhouse Inc. Yes, right? he does. Yes, he does. He's a much better engineer than I am, and he does all of the. Uh, you know, hard engineering work. I do the directing. I help pick copy and and direct students into how how to get into this wacky business and what they need, and give them critique and and help and guidance and help them create a, a demo. And Austin does all the engineering work, finds the music, sound effects that are appropriate for all of the spots that we do for either an animation demo or a, a commercial demo or whatever the person needs. So he gets to do all the hard work. I get to do the fun stuff. <laughs> wow. Well, you've kind of paid your dues in the industry for you know, coming yeah, up I, on 30 years now. Yeah, or, if I can save someone a few years by telling them what not to do, uh, <laughs> also is a good thing. Not only what to do, but what not to do. <laughs> And, you know, that's maybe a a different take on a question that I wasn't planning on asking because everybody asks, so if I wanted to get into the voiceover Uh industry, what would I do? Yes. But what would you tell someone to not do? Uh, Don't come to Los Angeles and quit your day job. You know, always (laughs) have a secondary source of income. Probably one of the biggest mistakes people make. Uh, They'll come out here, I I left Boise and I'm down here, I'm going to be an actor. You know, it's tough to get going unless you're, you know, financially independent. Uh, That's one thing. Don't do that. 
give yourself plenty of time. Don't expect it. Don't do it because of any other reason than you have a passion and you have to do it. Don't do it because of money, because the money will come if you're good and you get some lucky breaks as well. But do it because you have a passion and you just love performing and can't imagine yourself doing anything else, because you might be doing it without money for a long time. And if you can find satisfaction in that, you're so much farther ahead on the game. Sounds like really good advice. And I, I can only imagine. I have a friend who does uh, voiceover work through Elance, things like that. In uh-huh. fact, he's the one that did my uh, intro and my outro and everything for this podcast. Uh-huh. And he he'll do an audition for you know a hundred jobs yes. to get one. And that's not doing bad. I mean, you think 1%? Wow, if you can do 1%, you're doing just fine. I always tell people, you know, there's roughly 200,000 Screen Actors Guild members in Los Angeles area. And on any given week, there's about five to 7,000 jobs. So on any given week, there's 190-some thousand out-of-work actors. It kind of puts it in perspective there. Yeah, it sure does. So with those kind of odds, you can't do it for any reason no. besides that you love it. Ignorance was bliss in my case. I just came out here and just, oh, I'm going to give it a shot, and it worked out okay. Right, definitely. I I know we have a time window here, so I've mm-hmm. got a couple of maybe a little bit more introspective questions. Yeah. Um, and then we'll get to shameless plug time, which everybody Alrighty. looks forward to. Uh, okay. So what inspires you? Creativity, comedy, humor, laughter. I get inspired by comedians. I get inspired by just the creativity that I see around. I remember back when I was eight years old in a movie theater, and I was a big fan of like the Ray Harryhausen monster movies and these fantasy kind of movies. The, the world of fantasy is so great because it's totally of imagination. And I just am always enthralled and, and amazed as what people can, can create in their minds and then have the fortitude to stick with it and see it created through to the end. And that applies, I think, to people who can develop and and imagine and then create voices, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of creativity involved with that. And it's so much fun to hang around with highly talented people like I get to on uh, 7D and, of course, with all of the Disney projects that I do. Working with that caliber of talent is always it brings you up to their level. It really helps you become a better performer. And it, it's just a great feeling when that happens. It, it's just, uh, you know, how athletes get in the zone. Boy, when you get in the zone with a voice or a cartoon series and you just nail a line and you know this scene's going great, it's just an amazing feeling. Or a live performance. Uh, live performing also is uh, absolutely incredible when it works well. <laughs> and you still do some of that, right? Absolutely. I'm uh, with a group called the Mohos, which is a sketch comedy group, uh, uh, Fred Willard's uh, group. And Fred, who's up in his 70s, is still doing sketch comedy. We write comedy scripts and the good ones we put together in a show every month at the Second City Theater in Hollywood. And uh, I I've always said that live performing is the best kind of training for this kind of work. Because an audience, live audience, will let you know very quickly if you're funny or not. (laughs) And it forces you to get better. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) We kind of talked about this a little bit when when I asked you about advice for what not to do. 
when someone is thinking about being a voice actor. But for the last question here before the shameless plugs, I want to kind of broaden that because I know that there are people listening that have their own dreams uh, like you did to do voices and be in show business and everything. It might be to work for Disney or to do voiceovers or something, or you know, it could be something else entirely. They want to start their own business or they want to go somewhere, whatever it might be, but they're afraid. You know, maybe they've yeah. forgotten. There's all these reasons for not doing yeah. it. What advice would you have for that person? Then just do it afraid. Everyone's afraid, but you're only certain of failure if you don't try. There's nothing wrong with trying and failing because everyone fails all the time. You know, Robin Williams has night where he just, you know, doesn't, doesn't get a laugh. You can't have success without failure. It's just part of it. So if you want success, you've got to want those failures. And, and one tip that I heard long ago is, hey, for every failure you have, then you're that much closer to the excess. So you know, look for those failures that you can get over those to the success. And it's a neat way of thinking about it. You just have to kind of put that away and not think as much about m yourself and concentrate more on the audience and doing your best to give them a good time. And I also say that if you can entertain yourself while on stage or performing, you will entertain others. <laughs> That's great. I love that advice. That's wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, talking about you're going to have a certain number of failures. I remember hearing yeah. somebody say once something very similar. You're, you're going to have a lot of failures to go with your successes. So the secret to success is to fail faster. Exactly. Exactly. What they say, you know, Thomas Edison making the light bulb tried out about 10,000 different things to be the filament until he hit on the right thing. And he never would have gotten that right one had he not had all those wrong ones. Exactly. Exactly. To wrap up here and before I ask you this, let me just say that I enjoyed this as much as I expected to, if not more. So. Oh, thanks. My, I, me too. <laughs> Good. So is there anything that you'd like to mention or promote? Like I said, we call it shameless plug time. Well, if uh, anyone is ever interested in finding out more about voiceover or something, they can go to my website. I have billfarmer.com and my business website, which is toonhouse, T-O-O-N-H-O-U-S-E, inc.com. And also they can follow me and at Goofy Bill on Twitter. And uh, that, that probably will do it. If anyone's aspiring actor, uh, I'd be glad to help them out. I can do it on Skype if they live across the country or in the Los Angeles area. They come over to the house and we sit around and drink and have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and I'll mention on your behalf what you had mentioned earlier, the 7D. That yes. Is going to be coming out eventually on yes. the Playhouse Disney. I or? believe so. They don't let me know that. So <laughs> I'll have I'll be surprised with everyone else. That of course, and we have a new series, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse Shorts, which are on YouTube, a whole new take on the Disney characters, and uh, which we're in the middle of production with, which are really kind of, uh, you know, totally different take on Mickey and the gang, and they just check those out. Yeah, I just watched No Service the other day. Oh, you did, yeah. Kind of dippy the goof, and of course, you know, a lot of people think that we're watching the movie 
and putting voices. No, I'm totally in the dark. All I have is a script. And so when everyone else sees it is when I see it. <laughs> wow. And, and it's really kind of interesting. I go, oh, that's what they meant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you record it, the whole time, you're like, that makes yeah. no sense at all. And then exactly. Oh, all right. <laughs> now I know what they mean. Got it. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. It definitely has been a pleasure. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, this is Rick Moyer. And this is Amy Moyer. And we are the hosts of Take Him With You. The weekly podcast where we discuss life at the geeky Moyer's home and then we talk about our faith and how it relates to the world around us. Very, very positive podcast, and we think you really enjoy it. And I love Star Trek and heavy metal music. And I like Star Trek. Kinda. And heavy metal music. And I hate heavy metal music. <laughs> Want to hear more of our banter? You can by listening to our podcast. Where can they find it? You can find it at TakeHimWithYou.com or iTunes. That's right, iTunes. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A very special thank you to Bill Farmer for being my guest, and to you for listening. If you've worked for the Walt Disney Company in any capacity, and you'd like to share a positive story, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com, or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY, anytime, 24 hours a day. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, let's talk. If you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience and had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic or had any special Disney experience you want to share, I'd love to hear from you, too. Maybe you have a favorite memory of Goofy or one of the other characters that Bill's voiced. Or you have another favorite character. Tell me who it is and why and say a brief thank you to the person who voices that character. And don't worry if you don't know the name of the voice actor. You can still thank them. Email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience or thank whoever it is you want to thank. I've been very, very busy getting my book ready. It comes out a week from today, so I haven't been able to line up any upcoming interviews. Between that and the holidays, scheduling may be a bit more of a challenge than usual, but I will get more, so stay subscribed. And if you have anybody you'd like to hear from, give me some suggestions and I'll see what I can do. Hey, here's an idea. Last year we did a Thanksgiving special with nothing but listeners and friends of the show sharing stories and memories of Disney and thanking the people that made it possible. I'd be happy to do that again if we get enough people calling or writing in. All I need is a dozen or so calls or emails between now and November 20th and I'll put together a show of it. If you want to hear that, please be a part of it and call or write in. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the web, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. The more reviews and ratings the show has, the better it appears in lists and searches, so it's easier for people to find. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. 
While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. I've got a few from this one, including those interviews that I mentioned in the first part of my interview with Bill. Please like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash stories of the magic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash stories of magic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic, too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com, for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.